Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Words, Images, and Worlds. I am so pleased today to be talking with uh, comics creator and author Miles Gunter. Miles, welcome to Words, Images, and Worlds. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. I was scrolling through. I'm always looking for new reads and new things and just happened to come across this really, really inventive book, Grammaton Punch. Um, I think I pronounced that correctly. Is that right? You got it, you got it right. Okay, cool, cool. You, you never know with, with comics. I just learned sure. um, in the past few months that Namor is Namor, according to the film. So oh, really? you never know. News to me. <laughs> yeah, I always, yeah. Thought, I always thought it was Namor. Yeah, they, they pronounce it a few ways in the movie, too. Um, but I also know you work from Dark Fang, so I thought it would be good to talk with you a little bit and uh, cool. feature you on an episode. Yeah, great. Um, so I'd like to generally start out and ask about what draws people to comics, like what your history was as a reader and, and what it was about comics that uh, sort of drew you in, which sounds like pun, but it's not completely intended that way. Maybe a little. Um, well, I... Uh... I really got into uh, I really got into comics uh, primarily through stuff. I mean, my first comic experiences were probably uh, picking some stuff up on the newsstand back when there we could get like comics at Seven Eleven, and uh, some of my earliest reads were like uh, some of the McFarlane issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and that was kind of like the gateway into. Um, superhero stuff I have like this vivid memory of going to the going to, to the dentist and my dad taking me to a comic store prior to that and getting like uh <clears throat> the second issue of the Transformers movie adaptation and mm -hmm. getting uh like an issue of Mike Barron's Punisher with Wills Portachio and uh so I start so I guess that was kind of um uh, that was kind of an entry point for me in like the late 80s and um and then I, I just started gravitating towards uh, things like uh, the old Viz uh, reprints that they were doing around that time, um, like books like Crying Freeman and uh, Fist of the North Star and Bow and just like a lot of the early um, manga stuff that made it over here uh, and, and, and that was presented in very in like a very Western way, you know, in in Western style issues. Um, so I guess that was kind of that was kind of an entry point um, for me, and I just kind of gradually started getting into all the various like facets of comics. Um, but um, for me, as far as writing comics, um, I was a video major at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and mm -hmm. uh, because I couldn't get into film school, and uh, the program at the time was set up to give you basically the technical skills so you could get a job running the camera for a local TV weather report. And that really wasn't something I was interested. In. I was much more interested in storytelling and there really wasn't an outlet for that in that program. But at the time, um, SCAD had started a sequential art program and I gravitated towards that um, outside of classes and just started making comics with um, my friends. And so that was kind of, that was just, that was how I first started really getting into it. And uh, one of the people, one of my friends was uh, a 
an artist named Jason Burroughs, who's um, done some books with Garth Ennis and Warren Ellis and Alan Moore. He did Providence most recently. And um, Jason and I did a indie book called Skid Rose for a company called London Night Studios. They, they were a publisher that did um, uh, basically books with like scantily clad women that were like humorless and took themselves like way too seriously. And we were basically given this like really crappy title and told do whatever you want. So we came up with um, a post-apocalyptic idea that, um, you know, in our heads, it was, uh, we were going to do what if David Lynch directed the road warrior. And uh, we did like two issues. We did like two issues of that and the guy stopped paying us and it never got finished. And, I mean, it was just like a total, it was like a total like indie disaster, but, uh, but it was, but it was great, you know? Um, and around that time, this at, at around the same time I had dropped out of SCAD and moved to New York. And one of the reasons being that I wanted to get my foot in the door at Marvel and DC. And I did end up, that ended up, did end up happening after a couple of years. And I got a, uh, I got a big break uh, on an anthology for Vertigo called Weird War Tales um through uh just contacts that i had made i had a mentor at the time uh darko machan is a croatian writer um who did uh this incredible um grendel comic called devils and deaths which if you haven't read is like just amazing amazing stuff and uh so that gig that that little anthology gig ended up um leading uh leading leading up led me to being able to do books of image and that was just kind of the that was just kind of you know my entree into into making comics. So it's nice. Do you have a um, kind of a warmest or favorite collaboration from your your work so far? Um, well, probably I would say writing with Mike Mignola on BPRD has probably been my favorite comic making experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I did a I did a book with uh, Mike Oming and Kelsey Shannon called Bastard Samurai, at Image um, that did really well, and uh, as a consequence of that, Mike was approached about doing a BPRD one shot, um, and this was like at the very beginning of BPRD, um, and uh, before the series, before the regular series came out, and uh, Mike knew I was really into Mignola and that whole, you know, and Hellboy and just all that stuff. So he brought me along for the ride and I was pretty much given free reign to just to do whatever, you know, to just do whatever I wanted. And um, Mignola had uh, back then uh, in one of the early Hellboy trades, he had a, uh, you know, he always have the sketchbook section in the back. And one of the things he had back there was this, this really cool stork headed demon uh, named Shax. And I just always thought that was like, so cool. I was like, what is that? You know? So when that gig came up, I kind of went back and, um, looked at that and that, that sketch sort of became the impetus for, um, the soul of Venice, um, which was the story that we ended up doing. And, uh, the process of, of working with Nuola was like, I mean, it was, it was just very, it was very dreamlike. I mean, honestly, like, uh, I mean, it just didn't even seem real, but uh, uh, I basically did a draft and uh, I just, I had like way too much stuff going on and, you know, um, uh, basically Mignola took it and he kind of like cut it down and he, uh, 
you know, he kind of gutted it. And I just remember like, you know, and at that, at that time, and I mean, to this day, Mignola is probably like, he's probably my favorite artist writer. And he's like, just one of my favorite creators. So it was really surreal to kind of have this experience of not only collaborating him with him, but kind of getting, getting this draft draft back from him and being kind of like initially kind of like underwhelmed. Like I was like, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm like jibing with like my heroes, like revisions, <laughs> you know, and which was weird, you know, but then, uh, you know, this, so this is like on a Friday and then I remember getting uh, another draft on the Monday and like, he'd basically kept cooking on it over the weekend and like, he'd completely whipped it into shape and like given it all these Mignola isms and like done this stuff that was just like, it was just like so pure. It was like so purely Mignola. I was just like, I was just like completely in awe. I was like the master, you know, was doing his like mastering, you know? And uh, so that, that's definitely been like my favorite um, experience. And I feel like I learned just a lot about presentation and about um, simplification and just, just, just the whole process of, of writing and his whole um, approach, which I've really kind of, I've taken a lot of cues from just in the, in, in a lot of the way, just a lot of his ideas about form and about pace. And um, so it was just a really, I mean, it was just a really incredible experience. And it's just something that I have this to this day. I, I continue to have this incredible gratitude for having experienced. Yeah. It sounds like we started reading comics at about the same time in the late eighties, yeah, uh, early nineties. And the first Mignola, art that I saw was his adaptation of the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, otherworldly. I mean, his style is just, it's amazing. So very cool. Yeah, I, I think I want to say the first time that I saw his work was either it was probably Gotham by Gaslight or the Wolverine Jungle Adventure. Like, I think those came around, I think those came out right before Dracula. And then he did that fill-in issue of X-Force. Um, yeah. and I think, so I think that was around the same time. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, just, I mean, really, uh, it's, I mean, his, his art completely changed. Um, especially I think around Conqueror Worm, like he really started like simplifying and, and moving away from his earlier approach. But I think, I think in a lot of ways, I still prefer his, like, I love all his stuff, but I really, I probably prefer his earlier stuff yeah. that was just a little sharper, you know? Um, yeah. but I totally understand why he doesn't draw that way anymore. I mean, that's just, you know, it's only natural that you're not going to stay in the same gear, you know, like I just picked up, uh, I picked up that issue of that, uh, Millar book that, uh, Travis Charest did that came out a couple of weeks ago. And, um, mostly because I loved, I love Charest's art and, and, you know, I was like, oh, he hasn't made a comic in like 20 years or whatever. And, and it was really interesting to kind of like check it, check back in with him and, and see how his approach is like very different. And even though it's, it's still Charest, but like, it was a lot busier and he had like all this hatching and like, it was very, it was like, you could really see that he was very influenced by like John Paul Leone. Like the, and, and there was just, it was very interesting. Um, I think I still like his, his uh, older stuff better. It was cleaner. But I'm yeah. still, I'm still like amazing. The guy's like, you know, he's like one of the, he's probably still like one of the best guys out there. Just in terms it's of. Cool to, oh, sorry. No, sorry. I, I was just going to say, it's cool to see 
artists and authors grow and change and yeah. you know, challenge themselves and kind of try new things sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, you know, especially with comics, I mean, you'll have a lot of people who will just, you know, they'll stay in for a really long time. And, you know, like you look at like Corbin and like, I mean, the guy, like, just in my opinion, although I, uh, to be honest, I'm very ignorant a lot of, of a lot of uh, Corbin's early work, but like, there's no deterioration in his line whatsoever. Like, if you look at like the stuff that he did in the last 10 years or even the last 20 years, like, there's no, there's no uh, crap panels. There's no, like everything, there's so much integrity and there's such a, everything is so volumetric and there's such a weight to everything. And he's like experimenting more with like painting and he's doing like computer stuff with that, like that issue of solo that he did. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, it's really incredible. Uh, yeah. It's, it really is as a, as a reader, I think it's really a pleasure to watch. I was, I've always felt, I've always been more about creators than characters you know, mm -hmm. like much more like if like if Chris Boccolo draws something, I'll buy it. You know, like I wish that he wasn't doing like, you know, Marvel stuff. But I understand. I mean, I understand, you know, the economy of why he does that stuff. But like, um, yeah. yeah, just anything like it just, you know, I just like devour his work. There's a, there's a lot of people like that where it's just, you know, and you see there's such a change. Like if you go and look at like his early uh, like he did the he did like 50 issues of shade the changing man and like you look at his early stuff and it's like really bad like i mean it's just really generic like ugly like early 90s vertigo art where that was just kind of like that was the deal you know is that mm -hmm. like you didn't need it for the art it was all about the writing but you look at like you know within a couple of years he's like really starting to find like his like cartoony approach and you start getting like there's the issue there's like a few issues with Constantine and he's doing like these crazy, like spiral layouts and like, he's really getting experimental. And it's just, by the time he gets to that 50th issue, he's just like, I mean, he's a completely different artist, you know, yeah. it's just this, this, like this, you know, it's really incredible to see, uh, to see artists grow like that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have, um, do you have dream collaborations? Do you have folks that you really want to work with at some point? Oh gosh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's tough to say. I don't know. I don't know that I can uh, think of any anybody off the top of my head. I've I've been talking to Andy Kuhn about working on something, and I love his stuff. Like he's he's got he's such a great cartoonist, and I've been uh, I've been talking to him about a big project and. Um, that's one of the things I'm really excited about right now because he's just, um, he's just, he's an incredible cartoonist yeah. and yeah. he's definitely somebody that, um, I'm really excited about, um, making comics with. So I've been, I've kind of been, I'm kind of, I've been working on, I've been cooking something for a long time and I've been talking to him about it recently. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about the prospect of that. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that, my my dream collaborators are just like completely like they're so ridiculously ambitious like there's no way it would ever happen like um like the manga artist ryuchi ikigami who did like crying freeman and sanctuary i mean there's just like there's no way <laughs> like um but uh uh or uh you know somebody like a tomo i mean it's like yeah right you know <laughs> like it's just yeah, yeah. you know 
it's just never going to happen, but it's fine. You know, like I would honestly would much rather read like his stuff uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that, you know, after I, after I get off with you, I'm probably going to have like a dozen answers, but right oh, now I would say, I would say somebody like somebody like Bacalo would be incredible. Somebody like uh, Killian Plunkett would be incredible. Who doesn't really, he doesn't really work in comics that much anymore. He got, he's, he actually had the intelligence of getting out of comics and going to work for Lucasfilm where he actually gets like, you know, uh, retirement and stuff like, you know, he's, you know, they actually like take care of him. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's so many, there's so many incredible artists, man. Um, and there's so many, uh, like I love Daniel Warren Johnson. I mean, his stuff is his abs. He's probably one of my favorite. Uh, I, I mean, he's not really that new. He's been around for a while. Lee Weeks is yeah. incredible. I mean, I know that'll never happen, but that's, you know, if you're going to dream, dream big, right? I mean, he's, his stuff is phenomenal. He's, and he's another one of these guys who's, who's really only gotten better with age. You know, I mean, he's been drawing comics for, you know, what, 30 years, you know, I mean, um, just, yeah. you know, he's still just, you know, incredibly on point. So yeah, he's another one of these guys that whatever he's doing, I'll, you know, I'll pick up, you know, in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> had the chance to meet him last summer at Heroes Con nice. um, in Charlotte. So that, that was cool. And you mentioned Fist of the North Star. I haven't thought about Fist of the North Star in forever, but that was well, such a great I, book. Let me tell you, Viz is actually um, doing these really beautiful reprints that they started, I guess, in the last year or so. They, they're reprinting the whole first seven volumes and oh, just these beautiful little white hardcovers and it's just stunning you know um but it's really funny though man because uh looking at that stuff now um as an older reader you know it, it's really funny because i was so overwhelmed by uh uh tetsuohara's art but it's really funny because like in the second volume like you could just see he's just like he's going to town he's just like he's just drawing the hell out of everything and then you get to like the third volume and it's still great, but there'll occasionally be a page where he just like, he's just like, you know, he's, he's probably doing about 30%, you know, like he's just trying to get mm -hmm. through the page and he's like, he's just kind of struggling. And it's, ac it's actually kind of nice because his art is so God tier that when you uh -huh. see guys like that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, he's a human being, you know, like yeah, he, was yeah. having, he was having an off day, you know, and it's just, I mean, it's still decent. It's still good, but it's not like great, you know? Yeah, but he's but his stuff is just yeah he's a really uh, that was kind of the reaction that I had when I was reading uh, Barry Windsor Smith's Monster, which I loved. I thought it was an incredible work, but you definitely see there are parts of that book where he's just really struggling, you know, yeah, yeah. with his with his art, and it's like he does this he does this splash with like this helicopter, and it's just it's incredible. I mean, it's like it's like a t shirt quality image, and then like. The pages after that, it's like you can already tell he's like, damn, I'm gonna draw this helicopter again, you know, and he's just doing this <laughs> like he's doing this like, you know, this version of it that's like 40% of like what he was doing on the splash, you know. And there's and there's definitely some spots like that where, you know, the storytelling, I mean, it's still great, but it's definitely like you can tell he's having a hard time, you know. And I think yeah. that's I think that's a real that's a real challenge. You know, for even the best artist, I think is is uh, 
staying in gear, staying in one visual gear, you know, and not, not changing your approach, you know, to how you're doing the character. I mean, that's kind of, we, we do a little bit, a little of that in Grammaton Punch. Um, there's some spots <laughs> in the issues, you know, um, where the approach will like change a little bit. Um, but yeah, you see that, you see that a lot, you know, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's rare when an artist can really stay in gear, like somebody like Jeff Smith, where they just like, they find the gear and they stay in the gear, you know, for like years, you know, and they don't, they don't deviate. They don't, you know, they don't indulge these, um, you know, wanting to make these changes or wanting to do things differently. And which I think is, you know, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's fine, but it's also really cool when, you know, you have somebody like John Romita Jr., you know, who just like, they stay in the gear, they stay in their voice. They don't, you know, there's no experimentation. It's like they have their language, you know, their, their comic book language is just seamless, you know. And then the, the way that you bring about storytelling, you mentioned Grandma Tom Punch there, and uh, I would also bring Dark Thing into the conversation and just say, I love the way you take like the supernatural tropes or the supernatural stories you know what we think we know about ghosts or what we think we know about vampires or what we think we know about all of these things and you put this really kind of interesting uh with grammaton punch it's like a contemporary spin on it with dark fang it was almost like uh an atlantis meets vampires kind of kind of effect um so i mean of course, the visuals support all of that, but uh, but I love the creativity you bring to the stories. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, that well, mm -hmm. I think that's you know, uh, I mean, that's really the beauty of comics is that you know the only limitation of comics is your effort and your imagination, you know, and and of course your your page count. But I think that's really that's what I love about the medium is you can really you can really do anything, you know, and um, I get really uh, kind of miffed sometimes when I see comics being uh too conventional or you know i'll be reading something that's more realistic and it looks like they don't have a budget for like set design you know or like or it'll just be like it'll just be very spare you know and i think it's always um one of the things that i'm always trying to think about and i don't i don't know if i'm always successful but trying to find the dynamic in the mundane you know and trying to find interesting uh what is an interesting visual angle to something that's familiar or that we've seen a million times, you know, what, you know, how can this be, you know, how can this be different? How can, you know, how can something like vampire vampires, like the most played out monster ever, you know, what, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, because when I think about vampires, I think about, you know, like uh, what do you do with eternity? What do you do when you don't have to worry about time, you know, and uh, so much vampire stuff is so, um, I just feel it's like, it's so limited, you know, it's like the vampires just want to eat people and it's like, yeah, okay. You know, but what else are they doing? You know, what else are they right. doing with, what else are they doing with their time? What are they doing? You know, they're conscious, they're, you know, they're, they're in, you know, they're not just mindless beasts, you know? So what are they, what are they doing with themselves? You know, how are they taking advantage of, you know, this, this state that they're in. And I, so I think part of, part of the book was informed by just sort of wanting to scratch that itch of, you know, well, this is, if I was a vampire, I'd go to the bottom of the ocean, you know, and, and just sort of, 
you know, just sort of what if playing, what if, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of that book is really just informed by Kelsey. Um, and I always try to write for artists and really uh, try to cater material to their passions and what, what, what's really going to make them throw themselves into the material. And Kelsey, uh, Kelsey loves drawing women. You know, he's very, very good at it. And it's just something that it's really his, like the thing that he loves the most. So I really tried to give him, you know, that, you know, as much as possible and just thinking about putting her in different outfits and just interesting visual, um, visual situations. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, we've known each other for a very long time. So we have a lot of the same with somebody like that. There's a shorthand because we have a lot of the same kind of uh, playful sensibilities um, and yeah, so yeah, that was, it was a really fun book. I, I, I wish that we could have kept doing it and that it had been, uh, I wish that it had been better received, but I also am not sure if, uh, I think maybe my approach to it was maybe a little too indulgent and could have been a little, uh, maybe a little more straightforward. I'm not sure. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but you know, um, I also get to enjoy Grandma Tom Punch now. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, and I know that didn't issue three just drop. Yeah, issue right? three yeah. Uh, just came out uh, at the beginning of the month. So yeah, do you have a a multi issue arc planned? Uh, well, I mean the first the first five issues are a contained story, and uh, but definitely leave leave the door open uh, for more. So cool. you know cool, cool. whether or not that continues is just up to you know readers and you know, if it does well and, uh, you know, whether Brian, whether or not Brian wants to do it. So, uh, yeah, I definitely have more, uh, more, I would like to do more with it, but, but it's also, um, it's also a contained thing. So yeah, it does, yeah. it is, it is a, it is a full meal. So there's a closed door at the end that can, that can be opened. I hope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There, well, yeah, there are many, many doors, but yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I definitely like, I like the world a lot and it's the first time I've ever really done uh, more of a kid oriented thing, which I really uh, liked when, you know, which was really cool. Uh, you know, I try to, I try to do different stuff with each, each project. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, like I just, you know, the most recent thing I did is I, uh, I made a, a short film, uh, which I wrote and directed and produced and shot. I literally did everything. And it's like me and a couple of actors. And again, it's kind of the situation of just trying to get out of my comfort zone and just do something that uh, was really scary to me as, as a creator. Um, and especially after the pandemic and just the way that the way that we've been living and in isolation and everything, I wanted to get out and just, you know, and do something that was, uh, you know, that was more real, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, relying on me, you know, sitting at a computer, you know, but, uh, you know, and it was all done guerrilla style. Uh, I didn't have any permits or anything. And I was basically shooting places where I wasn't supposed to film. So I figured, well, as long as I don't have a crew, you know, maybe it'll be okay. I won't get, you know, I won't get arrested and, you know, sure enough, it worked, it works, you know, and so, but, it, but the consequence was that it was incredibly exhausting and uh, like exhausting to the point of extinguishing. 
Uh, and uh, so I'm submitting that to festivals right now. And I also made like music for it. And you know, that's been, that's kind of been my big creative focus um, this year so far was, was working on that. And, uh, and it was great. It was, an, it was an incredibly gratifying uh, experience and I'm, I'm hoping to do uh, more stuff in that, in that space. So we'll see. What the, the cinematic and comics connection for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, um, I mean, I, I definitely consider myself to be more influenced by film than comics. But at the same time, I recognize, uh, I think one of the things I've, I've recognized more as I get older is, is really trying to utilize the language of comics and really trying to be mindful of the eye, you know, and really slowing down the eye and not, you know, uh, not doing because, in, you know, in movies, you can, you can, uh, you can get away with having a lot of silence. And, right, right. Uh, but with comics, uh, it's a very, uh, it's a very difficult proposition unless you've got like hundreds of pages, um, to yeah. play with. But if you're, but if you're dealing with Western comics, you only have so much real estate. So you really have to be, um, you really have to be mindful of that. And, uh, but I definitely, yeah, but I definitely am very, uh, I'm just incredibly influenced by films and, uh, and music and animation, uh, probably much more so than, than Western comics, um, yeah. which, which I love. I love a lot of stuff, but I definitely, that's, that's the, that's the stuff that I, that I enjoy the most. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That is really cool. So hopefully more films to come. You have the um, work with Andy Kuhn that's in development. Anything else that you want to, to tip off for readers and listeners before and viewers before we wrap up? I think that's pretty much it for right now. I've, I've mostly just been focusing on that, uh, focusing on my short and uh, just slowly developing more comic stuff. Um, it just, uh, you know, some projects just take a really long time to develop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. You know, I would rather, uh, I would rather take time to develop something. I mean, I remember, uh, I remember going to a, uh, when I was living in New York, I went to a screening of my neighbor Totoro at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and uh, Miyazaki was in attendance. Uh, and it was just like this little room with like 20 people. And he talked about how um, it took him 12 years to make that movie, which at the time, I think I was like 25. And, and to me, that was like, the idea of spending half of my my life at that point working on one project was like, inconceivable but like now as an older person i totally get it you know yeah you know not yeah. that it should always be that way but but it should you know some things they just you know they need time to cook you know and uh you know which kind of in some ways goes it goes against kind of uh the philosophy of you know uh monthly periodicals and this you know this kind of stuff but you know uh i think with creator own stuff there's definitely um you can you can do that more. Uh, you can take your time and you can you can let things you can let things breathe and uh, yeah. Where the passions are. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for uh, a great talk. I, I plan to continue enjoying your work and sharing about it. So uh, glad to share about it in this space and looking forward to more to come. Great. Thanks so much.